yourself when you look at yourself first, I guess is what I'm saying. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You know, don't be selfish. Be, be just as interested in the blessings of others and rejoice to see them blessed. And remember that God blesses us not that, so we can have tons more stuff just so that we can bless others. You know, keep that in mind. You know, all the things that God has blessed you with and somebody else is less fortunate, you know, bless them. And we're going to jump over to Matthew 19, 21, because this kept standing out to me. The whole time I was writing this and preparing this, this verse kept coming out. Uh, but Matthew 19 and 21, it says, Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. I ain't saying sell your house and your cars and your boats and all these different things, but what I want us to look at and why I think that verse was standing out to me, he said, how about a little self-sacrifice every time, every now and then? When's the last time that we are so blessed and have an abundance of stuff? When's the last time that we've been saving for a trip or saving for a fishing pole or saving for whatever you save for? Sacrifice some of that, you know, sell your possessions. Take that money that you're doing for that and maybe bless somebody less fortunate who ain't been able to trip in 15 years because they can't afford to do something. Bless somebody like that or bless somebody with... Uh, taking them on the shopping spree or take, you know, just any kind of way you can do that. But I think that's a good application of that particular verse. Then we're going to go through 5 through 8 and wrap up. Uh, back to Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So we should have the same mind in Christ. You know, all through Scripture it tells us to be Christ-like, to have the mind of Christ and all these different things. So we should have the same mind in Christ, which is of selflessness and self-emptying, which is what those verses was talking about. You know, think about what Christ gave up come to take on the form of a man. He emptied himself and came to earth and took on flesh to live as a man and done what we could never do, which is to live a life of complete obedience to perfection and gave his life on the cross as a sacrifice for you and me that through him we could be restored back to God and restore our fellowship with him, which is what we was created for anyway. So let us be willing to lay ourselves aside for the betterment of others around us. And through that, others can see the light of Christ shining through us. Amen. Amen. Good word. J.J. was going to sing one of his rap songs this morning, but uh, a rap one of his songs. I don't know if you can sing a rap song, right? Kind of, kind of. Kind of not work that way. But he said he couldn't keep his breath. I told him instead of lifting so much, he might want to do some cardio and uh, get his lung capacity filled back up. But, now we appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Nikki, for that song this morning. Beautiful song at Threshing Floor. He sent that to me a while back, um, and I was blessed by it, blessed by it again this morning. Amen. We want to be a sanctuary. That's why we're 
we gave ourselves to God and, and Him, and, and He is our Lord and Savior. We say that. So we need to wear a sanctuary for Him to do what He wants to do through us and open ourselves up to Him. And so um, appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you all for being here this morning. You and Karen and your mom and dad and, and just your whole family. I know I know Kelsey's not here. She's up vacationing as well as some of our other folks. They're off finishing up summer vacation, you know, people working. And, and so we, you know, we just hope they have a good time. That's what, that's what we want and it's safe travels. I guess everybody's seen that mom and dad's not here this morning. They are in North Carolina. Um, our dear friend, Debbie Mitchum, she um, passed away this morning and, you know, went, went home to be with Jesus. And, and so she had been sick for a while. We prayed for her last Sunday with that tumor she had on her brain. And, and so um, she, she left this world and, and fell into the arms of Jesus, right? And that's what we all, what we all strive for. And, and so we're going to pray. When we pray this morning, we're going to pray for the Mitchum family and her husband's Cliff. If, there's a lot in here that, that might have known them, but they spent several years since they've been here. But husband Cliff and their children, um, Cleet and Chelsea, and, and Cliff's got another son named Cliff Clifton. So, you know, we've known, we've known Debbie since probably 1978 or 79. So my whole life. So we've known her for a long time. She's just always been a, been like my big sister. So, um, so, but I re- grieve the fact that she's not here. We all do when we lose somebody, but rejoice in the fact and the knowing that she is in heaven with Jesus this morning. And so, so that's, that's what we're thankful for, that she's no longer suffering in this world. Um, but a couple other announcements real quick before we move on. And it's just a month away. Our last Sunday in August is our 36th anniversary. So we need to be remembering that. We want to have a dinner after service that day. So, you know, this will be August 27th. We'll be celebrating our 36th year at Victor Fellowship. So that's exciting times and, and, and great to have another year that we can celebrate and, and thank God for what he's done. And, and you can celebrate. We, and, and since last year, more people have came. And we're just going to keep believing God that we're going to go out, keep spreading the gospel as we're supposed to, inviting people in to hear the gospel and, and give their lives to Christ is what we're, what we're called to do. And then this Wednesday is starting our motivational gifts or spiritual gifts teaching on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. That'll be six weeks, so don't forget that. We'll, we'll meet out here. I know we normally have different classes, but all the classes, except for the younger ones, will meet out here starting at 7. It'll last 30 to 35 minutes, according to what my dad says. I, I, I don't know. He says you'll have time to eat afterwards if the women still want to bring food like y'all been doing or whoever wants to bring food and, and have snacks. But we, we all know that he's not up here as much anymore. He don't get to teach as much. So we'll see. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but, no, I'm looking forward to it. He's got a lot of wisdom, a lot of things he can offer, and, and he's taught this a lot. And, and so, so I know he knows what he's talking about. But, all right, anything else this morning before we move along? All right. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. And what was her name? Rita Jean. Okay. All right. We sure will. We sure will. Okay. Okay. We sure will. Mm. Yeah. Yes, we will. We'll be keeping him in prayer. But we'll... 
Well, let's receive our offering just now, and we'll get ready to pray for these needs and, and the others that are mentioned. Y'all excited this morning? Y'all here? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Come on. Amen. Excited this morning, excited to be here, excited to be in the house of God, excited to be able to join together in one spirit as as we're called to do and sing praises to Him and, and then just learn from His Word and, and allow yourself today to whatever things are holding you back be broken in your life. Allow those things, allow those things to happen to you. And you say, well, how can I do that? You ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's keeping you and holding you back in your relationship with God this morning. We come to church to hear the Word of God. We come to church to sing praises to our, our Lord and Savior, right? But we also come here to be challenged. We need to be challenged by the Word of God. We need to challenge ourselves, not only today, but to take what we hear today and Monday through Saturday, challenge ourselves those days also. To live the life that He's called us to live. And, and if not, then we're just a bystander. We're on the bench and we're not wanting to do anything but fill a seat. And, but we need to learn and we need to grow. And that's from the youngest to the oldest here. And it's our job and our responsibility as a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And, and so we need to, we need to remember that. So, so you pray this morning, pray for yourself. We'll lift up these other needs. And, and pray for this time as we go forward. All right, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We, we thank you again for this time together. We just come and we get to worship your holy name and, and one spirit and one accord as your words called us to do. And, and Father, we just thank you for your son Jesus for what he's done for us, for dying on the cross, saving us from our sins, redeeming us and redeeming us, you know, to where we can be in heaven with you as, as, as my sister Debbie went this morning. God, she is in your arms, praising right there at your feet this morning. I thank you, God, for that assurance that she's there. And, Father, we just pray for the Mitchum family this morning, for Cleet and, and Chelsea and, 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 um, and Cliff this morning, and the rest of the family that you touch and move in their lives, that you, you just comfort them in this time of loss and, this, and, and the grieving process that they'll go through here on earth. But, Father, they can rejoice in the fact that she's in heaven with you. And, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your comfort and guidance on them right now. God, we, uh, we pray for Kathy Henson, God. I know I talked to her the other day, and she fell. And, God, you just touch her. Be with her and her husband. Bring health and healing to that whole household. And we pray for the one that... that, that Brent mentioned this friend of theirs that passed away. We pray for that whole family this morning. God, that you touch and move. Father, loss is not an easy thing, but God, we know we can get through it looking to you and, and, and trusting in you. And we thank you for that. Pray for Levi this morning. That you touch him, these headaches. Father, we just speak healing and help on him right now in that young man's life. That you touch and move and these headaches are gone and there'll be no more. And, and Father, we just thank you for that. Thank you for God, again, this time together, God, be with Noah this morning as he brings the word, God, that we listen and understand and receive this morning what you have for us, God, that you open up our hearts, that we open up our hearts and our and our ears and, and our eyes to see and understand what you have for us today, and that we go away from here changed, Father, that, that we live the life you've called us to live, and God, we thank you that you touch and move during this time. God, we just pray for, and you touch and bless in the time, this time of tithes and offerings this morning. God, that you just move in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, children have already gone to children's church, so it's just us out here. They're out back slipping and sliding back here. They've got a slip and slide set up and a tarp on top of that with, I think, baby oil and baby soap. So ain't none of them going home with me, so y'all parents have fun. Hope y'all brought a change of clothes. And it just rained, and I cut the grass yesterday morning. I tried to get all of it off, so there's plenty of grass out there they can roll into, grass shavings. It'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. They could. I've got a pool they can jump in and get washed off. We'll throw the soap in there. That's right. Yeah, we got water hoses. Amen. Amen. Again, excited this morning to have this young man, Noah um, Simmons, come and preach. And young people, listen, I challenge you this morning. Okay, I challenge you. Listen. Open your ears. Open your hearts. Open your minds this morning and receive what God has for you. This young man's been preaching since he was five years old. Right? Am I wrong with that? Since he was five. He's been through high school. He graduated last year from East Lawrence. And so he's preached, and I've heard him preach. And a lot of you, if you was here last April, heard him preach then. But God's got a, uh, his hand on this young man's life. And, I, and, you know, it should challenge you. It should challenge all of us, young people and adults as well, that, hey, if this 19-year-old man can do this, there's nothing that should stop us. And so he's lived a life through high school. He knows what it is to go through school every day and see all the junk, see all the, all the ones going their own way as, as, we all, as we have all done in our life. And I'm sure it's tempted him, and he's wanted to, but he stayed true, and he stayed faithful. So, see, so I'll give a round of applause as Noah comes. Come on, brother. Got me? Hey, make sure we're turned up through that sins going through the camera real good. Amen. All right, brother. How about you? Amen. Um, I'd like to thank Brother Mark for letting me come this morning. Uh, it means a lot to get the pulpit. Uh, I'd like to apologize in advance if I start coughing. I've got this like, mega cough going on, so I'm going to hope it don't bother me too bad today. So if you'll turn your Bibles to... Um, Daniel chapter 5, we'll go ahead and jump in. I was sitting in the back during the devotion, and I was kind of zoned out thinking about my message. And uh, I looked up on the screen, and I seen Daniel 5. And I was like, oh, man, I missed something. I was like, they're reading out of Daniel 5. And then I realized it was Brother Mark getting everything ready for me. So kind of took the wind out of myself for a second. He asked me what my uh, title was. And so I had all these extravagant ideas. I had extravagant ideas for a message to the grapevine, all that. And so then I come to Daniel 5, and I was like, oh, I can get a, you know, a good title out of that. And I was like, I got the God who gives and takes away, or what is God writing on your heart? And then I come to the conclusion that I really didn't know where we were going this morning. So I said, hey, just we're going to be broad here, the writing on the wall, okay? The handwriting on the wall? Yeah, so Brother Mark did a good job with that. So... Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 is where we're going to start out. We've got a lot of reading, but we've got a lot of summarizing too this morning, so maybe it won't be too bad. I try to read as little as possible. So Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords 
and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes princes and his wives and concubines might drink therein. So Daniel 1 through 4. So Belshazzar, Bel, Belshazzar, I'm sorry, had a feast. So he throws one of the biggest parties, one of the, one of the biggest feasts that had been seen in Babylon up to this point. So Belshazzar takes, he partakes in this party with everybody else and in this lavish lifestyle that's going on. And so in Middle East, in this time in Middle Eastern countries, it wasn't really, you know, rulers and stuff like, yes, they did not get drunk in front of people. But Belshazzar comes in here like they have conquered the world, okay? He walks in here, he's partying, he's drinking, he's got women, he's got his thousand people, he's living it up. And so if you stop right here and if you don't read no more past verse 4, you think that, that Belshazzar and Babylon have the world by the tail. You think, you think that everything is going just right. You think they've conquered the world. But what you don't see here is that, I had to add this as a little side note, um, is that he, is, he throws a party in light of the Persians trying to invade Babylon. They had actually just lost a small little battle outside of the, um, outside of the walls of the city. And so he comes in and he's kind of making fun and making light of what's going on outside the city. He's making light of the war that's, that's going on. And so... He's in here partying. Meanwhile, there is a siege surrounding the city. And so Belshazzar was able to live carefree. He was able to not care about what was going on in the outside world because he had faith in Babylon's defenses. Okay, and so he did not have faith in God, but he had faith in. In his kingdom. And so the question is, is how many times do we not have faith in God, but we have faith in the worldly things surrounding us? But the other thing is, is I don't know how much faith he had in his defenses, because how many people know is that when things are going wrong in life and when this ain't working and that ain't working and you feel like everything's falling apart and you have this anxiety come up and you have this depression come up and you don't really know how to feel about something is so many times is we drowned ourselves. And worldly pleasures. And so as things unfold today, fulfilling end time prophecies daily in a world that is after your soul, where will you be found? Will you be found sober minded as a man chasing after God's own heart? Or will you be found drowning yourself in pleasures of the world looking for an escape? And that's exactly where um, Belshazzar has found himself is he, he's not turning to God. He's not he's not turning to his people. He's sure not walking outside the gates to go fight himself, but he's drowning himself in worldly pleasures. <coughs> so my next point is Belshazzar mocks God. OK, it says I'm going to read this verse three and four again. I do this a lot. Um, also, pray for me because I normally have my iPad up here and I've got everything blew up real big so I can see. And so I'd planned on just charging it this morning and reading my Bible off of it. But my phone was dead this morning. My iPad was dead this morning. And so I brought it back old school to my little, um, my little sketch pad here. And so I'm having to read off my Bible, and it's a struggle sometimes. So verse 3 and 4 again. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God. That needs to throw up a red flag here. So this is, this is a symbolic thing. This is, this is a holy vessel that was used in the temple of Jerusalem before judgment came on them, and they were, um, they were conquered here. So, and the king and his princes 
and wives and his concubines drinking them. So you see, now they're now they're in their party and they're drinking and they're drunk and they're doing this all using holy vessels from the temple in Jerusalem. Then verse four, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and brass of iron, of wood and of stone. Okay, so now he's not only you know doing all this with with these um, holy vessels, but now he's worshiping idols while he's drinking out of these holy vessels. So he openly, in front of all these rulers and all these all these high, um, let's say politicians. I know that's not the word, but that's what we're going to use here. All these high high ranking people up here, and so now he's drinking in front of them, and he openly mocks God by drinking wine from the holy vessels of the temple, and he does so while worshiping pagan gods. So the question is, is do we mock God with our lifestyle? So the question is, is how do we mock God? The the definition I was reading in a commentary is to be hypocritical, to pretend and profess to worship, love and serve God, but to not do it. It's to believe that God cannot remove you from where he placed you. It's this hypocritical thought and it's this idea that we put ourselves where we're at and that even though in the back of our minds that we know the only way we got there was because of God. The thing is, is we believe that God's not going to remove us for this place. So we do. Do we find ourselves in repetitive sin with no fear? Do we find ourselves using God's name in vain? Do we find ourselves doing all this and proclaiming to be a Christian on Sunday morning? And so many times as we fall into that repetitive sin trap where we don't feel like God is going to do anything about it. But when you do all this with the name Christian on the front of your shirt, you are mocking God. So we see here that we tend to sometimes not be so different from Belshazzar is although he mocked God openly in a different way, we tend to do the same thing with our lifestyle. <clears throat> so Daniel 5 and 5 through 6, this is, I think, one of my shorter little points. So uh, 5 and 5 through 6, it says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, and then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosened, and his knees smote against one another. So the hand writes on the wall, and Belshazzar trembled. So why was Belshazzar so troubled? He was denying what he knew was right. He was that he would not believe that he would not just come out and say, you know, I know I'm living a lifestyle that I shouldn't live. I know that there's people outside the city that's about to come in, but I would rather drown myself in these worldly pleasures and I would rather go deeper into sin than to turn to God. So his conscience, his conscience was active underneath his energetic partying. And I read this out of a commentary here. It says, while not understanding what the hand was writing. So that's a big part here, is he's scared and he's trembling, but he has no idea what's being wrote on the wall. So why are you? Why would he be scared just because there was words wrote on a wall? But it says, his conscience had wrote bitter things on his heart, which became legible while being held to the wrath of God. And so the thing was, is although he didn't know what was on the wall, his conscience knew that the things he had been doing was wrong. He knew that he had openly mocked God, and he knew that he was making a mockery of his kingdom. And so I'm going to come here, and I'm going to want to try to summarize here, because like I said, 
This, um, if I had to read everything, I'd read the whole chapter, and I'd rather not do that this morning. So I'm going to kind of summarize. So verse 7 through 9 here, Belshazzar starts begging for someone to interpret this writing on the wall. So he turns to his scientists, he turns to his soothsayers, he turns to his astrologers, but nobody could answer his question of what was wrote on the wall. And so the further he goes into this, and the more people he asks, the more freaked out he starts to get because he realizes that, Oh man, nobody knows what this means, and there's still something writing over here on the wall, and I have no idea what it means. But in his conscience, he knew that he had done stepped out of line. So then, you got, I think I broke 10 through 16. I think it was originally supposed to be 10 through 12, but I ain't got a delete button with a pen. So, so the queen here, uh, she mentions Daniel. And so she's like, you know, I remember when Daniel was over here with Nebuchadnezzar, and while Daniel was over here with Nebuchadnezzar, he showed all types of dreams of what was going to happen, and he did not miss. Okay, you got to understand, Daniel is batting like like in a thousand here. He, this dude does not miss when when he interprets a dream, and I've not seen no dream that he wasn't able to interpret. So then on down here, I'm going to try to find it. I should have. Uh, highlighted it, but I'll just read it here. It says that um, Belshazzar says, I've heard that the Spirit of God is in thee. This is when, when Daniel comes in and he's like, hey, he said, you know, this dude's the one that's supposed to be able to, to tell the dream. So when he meets Daniel, he looks at him and he says, hey, I've heard that the Spirit of God is living inside of you and that you can, you can tell me what this means. So the thing is, is when everything has gone wrong and when the world can do nothing else for you, when the world could do nothing else for Belshazzar, he turns to the man who serves the same God that he had mocked. The same man that has been that has been over here in retirement, that has been over here forgot about, that nobody cares about no more. Because you know what? Under Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, it was an up and down roller coaster if you've read through Daniel. But at some point, Nebuchadnezzar did start to get his life right and get back on track. But he always, for the most part, recognized Daniel as the man of God that he was. Even if Nebuchadnezzar didn't live it, he always still uh, had a certain respect for Daniel because he knew that the word of, you know, that Daniel had the spirit of God living inside of him. So, but, oh, um, Belshazzar here in these last couple of years, it said it had been 23 years, I think, since, uh, since Nebuchadnezzar had, um, been living in the field. So if you don't know what that means, I'm sorry. I can't, uh, elaborate too good on that right now. But, so, let me get back to my point. But so Belshazzar basically and Babylon has turned they turned buck wild over here, okay? They they're partying, they're living it up, they forgot about God, pagan gods everywhere, drinking everywhere, they're playing with the with you know holy vessels now, and this is just a normal thing. So they have set Daniel over here to the side. It said he's about eighty years old. He's probably retired now. He's just living over here by himself, looking at the dumpster fire happening, probably talking to God about it. Who knows? He might have even knew what was coming. But the thing is, is that he turned to the same man that was put in retirement and forgotten about. So the thing is, is when you're serving God. 
right? And when, when you're going after God's own heart, especially in school, especially in your workplace, when everything is going good, nobody cares about you, okay? And I, I'm just trying to be frank and honest and blunt about this. When you are, when you're a living for God in a, in this world full of sin and in a worldly environment, in a worldly place, nobody cares about you. You're forgotten and you're stuck in the corner. But if you will keep praying and you will keep searching after God's heart and if you'll keep living right and doing the things which God has called you to do, when things come crashing down like it has for Belshazzar in this point, then that is when God is going to use you. And that is when you're going to step out in boldness and in confidence and in walk in the Spirit of God because that is when you are going to be most used because that's when you can be used for the glory of God, okay? Because when things are always going right, it's hard for God to get glory out of it. But when things have gone wrong and all these other people have come up and they've tried this and they've tried that and you've run to this drug and that drug and this sin and that sin and alcohol and this and that, when you've run to all that and people's exhaustions, when their efforts have exhausted, that's what I was trying to say, when their efforts have exhausted, then when God steps in and God uses you in that very moment that he has prepared you for, just like he had prepared Daniel for this very moment, then that's when God is going to get the glory from this situation. <laughs> so now I get to read again. Um, I'm going to get some water first. It's going to be verse 17 through 24. Okay. So, 17 through 24. Uh, then Daniel answered. And so this is after he's done being brought in here. And the king's like, you know what? If you'll come in here and if you'll tell me what this dream means, which I'm sure you can, then, you know, I'm going to make you third, third, you know, third highest person in here because... Uh, Belshazzar was only second in command right here. His dad was out, I think, um, like a general or something, leading the army. So, verse 17, Then Daniel answered, and he said, Before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the Most High God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him who he would slew and whom he would kept alive and whom he would set up and whom he would put down. I want to stop just for a second. But back to verse 18. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, a kingdom and majesty. So what Daniel's saying right here, and I hate to stop right in the middle of reading my scripture, but what Daniel is telling Belshazzar right here is the same God that you're making fun of, the same God that you're defying right here in the middle of your kingdom, is the same God that gave your your uh, predecessor this kingdom, okay? And so what he's saying is God gave you this, and God can also take away this, okay? So verse 20. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride... He was disposed or deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. 21. And when he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses, they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. Whom, yeah, whomsoever he will. 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this. 
but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the Lord, I mean, and they have brought the vessels of the house of the Lord before thee. And thou and thy lords, thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear not, nor know. And the Lord in whose hand thy breath is, and whose all thy ways thou hast not glorified. 24. Then the part of the hand sent from him, and writing was written. Okay. So, Daniel knows. This is just a little point. Daniel knows his father by his handwriting. How many people know that you know God? You know, you wait. Oh, man, I was in the wrong spot. I'm so sorry. Um, my bad. So it says you've not humbled your heart, even though you knew it says so. So, you know, right here you see that Nebuchadnezzar went through all this. This is kind of, you know, the Bible's our guidebook. Well, for them, right at this point, history should have should have spoke for itself because this was pretty. Like I said, this is like 23 years ago when all this happened. So it says, even though you knew, even though you seen what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, even though you know the right way, even though Nebuchadnezzar professed God, even though that everybody knew what God had done for him, is that even though you knew that, you did not care. You still did not humble yourself and you chose to go through this same through this same uh, path that Nebuchadnezzar had went. And so when Daniel was talking to Nebuchadnezzar back in uh, chapter three, and in chapter four, it says like you know, his, it, it was like it uh, grieved Daniel to tell Nebuchadnezzar what was about to happen to him every time. But here with Belshazzar, it is like, hey, you knew, you knew what God had said, you knew that if you didn't humble yourself, what was going to happen, and you continue down this path. And then it says, you worship blank, blank, and blank, yet you don't worship the God who gives you breath. And I said that for a reason, is because if we put this in pagan God standards, and if we put this as you worship the God of gold, silver, brass, iron, and all this, is we don't really have no connection with this, okay? It's because personally, it's, I don't go out and worship a tree when I walk outside of here. But if you look at it as of uh, you worship this, and you put this before me, and you put that before me, and you would rather do this than read my word, and you would do this before you sit down and pray, the thing, yet you don't worship the God who gives you breath. You would rather worship a football game, or you would rather go to this baseball game, or this sporting event, and pay more attention there than you do when you sit in church. You would rather go to a travel ball game than sit in church on Sunday morning. And you don't even, you would rather do all this than worship the God who gives you the ability to do all these things. And that's, that's what Daniel said, is the God who gives you the ability to worship these pagan gods, the God who gave you a, the ability to throw a party, the God who gave you the ability to conquer Jerusalem is the same God that gave you breath and you don't even worship Him nor glorify Him. Daniel charged him, charged Belshazzar, with pride, idolatry, and the failure to glorify God. He don't get mad. He don't take it out on that, that he got drunk. He don't take him out of it that he ain't, he ain't been living the life that he was called to live. But he comes and he says, you have not glorified the God that gave you breath. You have, you have failed to recognize God in this time in your life. And I'll tell you something is when God has sent you places, when God has put you in this high spot in your life and you get this mentality that that's where I'm supposed to be, God will strip that right back away from you. <coughs> Daniel 5 and 25 through 31 
Sometimes I don't know where to put stuff as far as my notes or as far as my stories. And so I get up here thinking, I'm like, well, I'll move it to the next point. So that's what I just did. So Daniel 5 and 25 through 31. It says, then King Darius, wait, nope, that's 6. I'm sorry. 5, 25 through 31. Like I said, guys, the contacts and the darkness and the, the little Bible up here, it's not doing me well. So 5 and 5 through 21. And this is the writing that was written. Many, many, Tekel, you Pharisee. I hope I said it right. So, this is the interpretation of the thing. Meaning, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. 29. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. 30. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain, and Darius, the Median, took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. So, Daniel knew his father by his handwriting. The same way we know God by his voice, Daniel knew his father by his handwriting. That shows you, he, he, as soon as he walks in here, he looks and he says, yeah, I'm going to interpret it because he knows that was his father, okay? So, many, your days are numbered. Tickle, weighed. God has weighed him and he come up short. Your kingdom is divided and you're losing everything that you prided yourself in. And so, so many times, and that's why I was going to get to a second ago, is so many times is we feel like that God is, we, we, God has set up in, us up in this place and on the incline of us getting to where we want to be and on the incline to us getting this job or on the incline to us being in this position that we want to be in is we praise God the whole way to the top of the mountain until we get what we want. And then about the time stuff starts to plane out. Okay, and that is when we begin to forget who put us up there in the first place. Okay, and then that's why there's always the decline on a roller coaster. And that is why our life looks like a roller coaster is because when we've got to where God has intended us to be is we forget to glorify him. And so I'm going to give you all a personal story here. As you might have seen it on Facebook, you might not have, is I finished school with a 4.2 GPA. I also finished with a 22 on my ACT. It was given in my head, it was a given all the way through high school, freshman through senior year, that I would end with scholarships, okay? I was like, I'm not going to have to pay for college. I'm going to get to go wherever I want because I'm that smart, okay? And now at some point here, as I did know that God had gave me the ability to be smart, and he had gave, gave me parents to help me and teachers to help me. But at some point through here, with my arrogance, is that I come to the conclusion that I'm a genius and I don't have to study. I ain't got to do none of this. And that it was just in my head that I'm basically Albert Einstein with a better haircut. Okay? <laughs> so, during this point, is I, I seriously expect I finished uh, top 15 in my class. And I expected to come out with a scholarship all the way up until awards day. Because I only applied to one college. I was going to Calhoun. I had no reason to go no further. And so... Come awards day, I've been calling Calhoun, and I was like, hey, you know, I've been checking my email, and y'all not sent me no scholarship. I'm not asking. I mean, I just wanted something like to say, hey, you did a pretty good job, you know. But it comes to find out that throughout this time is they did not give me a scholarship. So I sit through about a two-hour awards day uh, 
in my senior year without getting nothing. I was like the only person in the top 15 without a scholarship. And so throughout all this, I kind of forget about it. Why well, I go to Calhoun the other day to get a student loan, and they ended up telling me that I did have a scholarship that nobody knew about. And so it was apparently kind of hidden back in there somewhere, and I believe it was God because I still not got an email about that scholarship. But I just told them, hey, I'll get, I'll get you the rest later. So, but my point here is that after getting the scholarship when, you know, like later on, like two days ago, is when I got up there, is my first thought was not, dang, I'm smart, and dang, I did good in school. My first thought was that really had to be God because I couldn't have did that on my own because the tables had done turn and the scholarship deadlines had done finished and there was no way that I was getting one. And so that's kind of what I'm, kind of, sort of, is kind of what I'm trying to say here is that when, when sometimes we forget that God gave us the ability and we forget that God is the reason that we're in the place that we're in is God will strip that very thing that you are priding yourself in. He will take it straight away from you. And we're not always lucky enough to get that right back. But if you do get the opportunity to get back to the spot that God had pulled you from, there's a whole new appreciation for it. And you will then glorify God for that. So, <coughs> I know rabbit trail, I'm sorry. So, that same night that all this is, that same night that the party went on and the same night that Daniel's come in here and gave them the interpretation, that same night the Persians changed the course of the Euphrates River and walked in on dry ground without adversity because the inner gates of the city were left open. And I'm going to read y'all something. If I can find it right here, it was the uh, some of the numbers concerning the city of Babylon. It says the outer walls were 17 miles long. These walls were 22 foot high and 90 foot thick. The outer walls also had guard towers another 100 feet high. The city gates were made of bronze, a system of inner and outer walls, and moats made the city very secure. But while, while Belshazzar is in here worried about his partying, while he's in here worried about mocking God, the entire time there's an attack being waged against his kingdom. There's an attack coming up on the outer walls that nobody's even knowing about. The river out here has just got drained straight into a swamp. They walk straight under the, um, the little walls here. I guess they went little, but they walk straight under the walls, and they still, at this point, would not have been able to get in. But... He left the gates of the kingdom unlocked. And so many times, us as Christians, I'm just going to flip this real quick. It's so many times, us as Christians, is, is we get this arrogant or we get this pridefulness or we get this thought that nothing's going to happen to me and, and that I, I'm not going to come under that type of spiritual attack or I can watch this and I can listen to this. I can do this and say this and hang with this person and that person. Nothing's going to happen to me. And the whole time, we're leaving the gates of our kingdom Unlock. We're leaving the gates of our, our heart unlocked and open for someone to just walk through. And that's exactly what happened right here. And so I'm going to, can I get some music? This is going to be a decently long altar call, so it shouldn't be no big deal. So, as a person, is God telling you that your days are numbered? Have you believed that you were self-made and the God who gave you these things? You have not worshipped. Have you believed that, that, you know, I put myself here and this is a me thing and you have forgot to glorify God? So my question is tonight is what is God writing on your heart? It says, uh, 
Have you been caught mocking God by your lifestyle and caught worshiping idols? So my thing today is come to repentance because today is the day of salvation. See, Belshazzar, his time had run out. He had been caught in blasphemy. He had been caught mocking God. He had been in this and he had been that. And Daniel comes up and tells him, you know, your days are numbered. Your, your time ends today. But today you still have time. Today, while you're sitting here, you don't know when your last breath is. You don't know. And, and I, I hope everybody makes it home. And I hope everybody lives forever. But that's not the case. You don't know if you'll make it out of the parking lot. You don't know if you've got the next second. But today is the day of salvation because your time has not yet come. You've been placed here for a reason. Your time is not here as Belshazzar's was. As America, we mock God. As America, on the top Christian charts on iTunes, there's a drag queen Christian artist that people are listening to. As America, we worship idols. As America, we glorify everything except for the God who gives us breath to be able to do so. We have the same type of arrogance in America that Belshazzar had with Babylon. We have the same idea that nothing's going to bring us down, that it don't matter if this World War III happens or if this bomb is dropped or if we make this person mad or that person mad, we're America, we're okay. And at one point, I do believe that that was the case. In a Christian country that served and was after God's heart. Not today. See, if my people which are called by my name humble themselves and turn from them way, their ways, then I, the Lord, will heal their land. Not the world turning from their ways, but the church, God's people, turning from their ways. Is that, is that's what's happened here so many times is the church, the Christians, we get stuck in our ways. We step out of line of the Word of God. We, we pull a Nebuchadnezzar. We know what's right. We don't do it. That's what Belshazzar knew what was right, but he didn't do it. God says, I'm not healing your land. I'm, I'm not fixing these things until my people, which are called by my name, change. So what is God writing on the walls of your heart today? We know what God's writing on the walls of America today. We know, we know that there's not an America in the book of Revelation. I'm just going to be honest. I may be the most patriotic person you'll meet. But we know there's not an America in the book of Revelation. We know the days are numbered on America. But what, what are the, what, what's the time clock on your heart looking like? What is God saying to you? Is God saying to you today that your days are numbered? Your time is running up. I've played games and I've played games and I've listened to this and I've heard you mock me. Your lifestyle says this and your mouth says this. What is God telling you today? My thing is, this is, this is going to be my altar call, and I didn't expect it to go this way. If today you don't know what God's writing on your heart, if you're looking at the wall, and you're sitting here listening to this, and you're a little bit worried about it, there's probably a good reason you're a little bit worried about it. If you're looking today and you say, is my lifestyle not, is my lifestyle not lining up with the Word of God? Have I mocked God by the things I do, by the way I act, the things I say? But I act this way here, but I'm going to act a completely different way somewhere else. Is that lifestyle mocking God? Is God knocking on your heart, saying your days are numbered? I'm tired of playing games. 
then you need to be up here tonight because you don't know if that the gate if you've left you need to think about this is have you left the gates of your kingdom open today is 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 there, is there a battle going on on outside that you're seemingly trying to escape day in and day out and day in and day out by falling deeper and deeper and deeper into the pleasures of the world so today is the day of salvation if you don't know then it'll probably be a wise thing to pray. If you don't know what God's writing on your heart, if you don't know exactly where you stand, then it'd probably be a good time to know about your days, to know that if my days are numbered, then it's God ordained, and that He's got a reason for it, but it's for me to come meet Him and not me to come meet somebody else. Hey, y'all have heard? Y'all have heard the invitation? Y'all stand this morning. If you're holding on to something this morning, today is the day to let that go. Stop walking in rebellion. Stop walking away from God and your relationship with Him. And we, we all know, we've, and most of us, especially adults, have been to the point to where we know we've given our life to God, we're walking with Him, and things in our life, goes so much smoother and easier. But yet, we let other things in. And then, and then we, we wonder where we've gone wrong, and we don't want to give up what we're doing. We don't want to stop what we're doing. So this morning, if that's you, ask God to show you. Ask Him.